two for none, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and it took me three attempts to get that intro right, Bardo. Not a great start, but here we are. I'm sure I'm going to make it happen and turn myself around, turn the corner like the Aussies after losing two games to go on and win the bloody World Cup, Chris Barty. I'm Pat, I'm sure you will win the uh, win the World Cup. No, you didn't win the World Cup. <laughs> but you did, it was an intro, and that stuffed up my joke, which was going to be that yeah. you... Your introduction was reminiscent of the Indians in the bizarrely played T20 last night. Uh, I mean, you know, in mm. where whereby I think they had three runouts in the last over, but just got over the line. Just like, but why was that game even played? Why was that even there? I don't. Uh, I can't understand what is happening here. I'm gonna say that it had something to do with dollar signs. That would be my guess, but. What I did learn, because it was um, obviously KO had to feed through the Indian broadcaster, and I learned about some of the top movies that are going to be played on that pay TV service in India over the course of the uh, Christmas period, including Fast X, which is the 10th installment of Fast and Furious. So if you're in India, you can can get that on cable now. Strap in for that. You know, get excited. But... uh we need to point out it's been nearly a week since the uh, last game of the World Cup happened. It happened mm. on Monday morning. And to put it frankly, Bardo, the result was a little bit shocking in that we, the bloody Australians, came from nowhere in what's got to be one of the greatest underdog performances of all time, at least in cricketing terms, to win the bloody World Cup, Bardo. And no one saw it coming. Not you and me. Not bloody anybody, not everybody coming around of any, you know, just pure Freddie Mercury. Like, I don't know what to tell you, Bardo. It's you, me, it's Freddie, it's Travis Head, it's the Beatles. It's the, it's the vibe. It's the vibe. He's out there hitting hundreds, taking grabs, Bardo. Like, yeah. how much do we just lay back and sit in the glory of this, Chris? I, look, I don't think anyone had. Uh, this in their bingo card, or did they? I mean, definitely not you and my Chris buddy. Definitely not you and bu- you and I, my man. Like, what an incredible thing, Chris. We we did it. We won. We won convincingly, Bardo. Convincingly. What did you What did you make of the whole thing, pal? Wow. Look, I think if we start from the start, there was just several points throughout the game where I was like, oh yeah. We're good effort, us. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we f***ed it. We're stuffed. Um, point one, Rohit Sharma going nuts up for 47. Oh, and you just thought, mate. oh, well, good try. They're going at seven and over. World of hurt. World of hurt. Power of a Dechi. A river thanks so much for coming. Actually, you know when I thought so much, thanks so much for coming here the first time was actually at the coin toss when we chose the bowl. Dude. What an incredible call from Paddy Cummins. Incredible. What a massive call. In the previous episode, I was on here being like, and as long with the the vast majority of the cricketing media, bat first, bat big, get tons of runs. If we we lose the toss, we're screwed. Cummins wins the toss and elects to bowl. And and it turns to be genius, Bardo. Yeah, it turns out to be genius. And it, the genius play actually, I think, started the day before when people asked Pat Cummins about what he thought about the pitch. I think he was out there with his iPhone, he was taking pictures, and people said, Paddy, what, what's your read? And his quote was something to the effect of, 
oh, I'm not a great pitch reader, but it looks all right. And uh, <laughs> he lied to us. He is a good pitch reader. He did know what was going on. He read the conditions perfectly. Um, he may as well have had, had like a, one of Tony Gregg's 10-gallon hats and a, a Toyota car key because nice. he read it, he read it, you know, brilliantly. And uh, to go out and bowl first was a brave decision. And I've got to say, as I said, shaky, shaky when Robert was uh, on the charge. He's bloody charging everybody, every man, woman and child. Crunching them too. Just absolutely crunching them. Preming them. And, and then um, gets out to an, a pretty innocuous ball from Maxwell, um, caught with an absolute screamer by the bin lid Travis Head out at mid-wicket. He'd just been moved there too. he just swapped field placements with Davey Warner. Running back over his head, full-length body dive in the mitt, somehow stays there. I mean, extraordinary stuff, Butter. Absolutely extraordinary. They kept his sunglasses on. Kept his shades on. Kept the speed dealers intact. The other huge moment was um, Rohit chopping on, again, to like a fairly innocuous ball from Paddy Cummins, right? Like sort of back of a length around that ribcage area, got an inside edge, somehow went on to the pegs, Aravadechi. And and what amazed me about it, Bardo, is 130,000 people, allegedly, uh, every media outlet's been giving you a different number. Some have been saying 125, 90,000, 100. There was a lot of fans there, all mm. in blue shirts. Absolute silence, Bardo. Full Simon and Garfunkel stuff. Real, real, just not a peep was heard from that Not stadium. a peep was heard. Not a peep was heard. Uh, we did, yeah, we, uh, we, we put the silencer on them. Um, and full Goldeneye, Bardo. Full, full Goldeneye. Gold full Goldeneye. <laughs> that takes you back, didn't you? And thought yeah. about the, old, the, the silencer and, and Goldeneye N64 for a bit, had you? Yeah, I tell you what, um, the Australian team was cooler than the Goldeneye pause music. Wow. Yeah. Mm, that's a cool I'm going to play that right now. It's a banger. It's an, what, it absolutely slaps the Goldeneye pause music. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Look, uh, yeah, you're right. Look, bit of, bit of good luck with the uh, with, with Virat chopping on, um, but just uh, the innings never really got going. Carl Rahul certainly um, provided the backbone, but I think they kind of expected uh, a little bit more out of Jadeja and uh, uh, Suraj Kumar Yadav. Um, mm. You know, Yadav was in there specifically to be the accelerator, and he didn't really accelerate. Uh, 18 off 28 just didn't look like it um and we kind of had him we kind of had him uh you know also, also a big shout josh inglis who probably has been inoffensive at best throughout the world cup uh, yeah, um, sure. you know he was there um <laughs> i mean not inoffensive last night he was very good last night yeah but yeah in the t20 yeah in t20 uh but uh five five catches did his job that's what a wicket keeper's there to do Took the catch. Did a great job. And did a great job. You know, our fielding again was outstanding, and that's probably been one of the big drivers, one of the big difference makers, uh, I think, mm. for the Australian team over the course of the tournament. You look at how poor the fielding was in the first two games, just drop catches everywhere, just soda pops going down. Um, uh, but, you know, in particular, you know, our catching uh, improved a lot, but also our ground fielding, I've got to say, was spectacular. The, the pressure that was created from the ground fielding in the infield, particularly from the likes of Marnus Labuschagne, um, uh, Davey Warner uh, and the like, uh, 
just set the tone. And I think just make it gives the bowlers a bit of extra support because, you know, the short form of the game is hard enough on those fellas as, as it is. Mate, it was real nine, late 90s, early 2000s, one-day ring fielding stuff. But mm. there it were really blokes was. diving. Yeah. Like, it was working as a pack. It was like they were fully... I mean, Chris, I'm days later, Bardo, like nearly a week later, I'm still struggling to comprehend the fact that we won that game. Mm. Like, I, I still, I'm still struggling to marinate on it, and especially considering how terrible we were after two games, Chris. Like, you and I on this podcast a number of episodes ago, who knows how many, uh, were looking at it being like, well... Turns out we suck at one-day cricket. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're crap at it. We should quit. We should go and be accountants. Like, that was after two games and it was so bad. And then something happened between the Sri Lanka game and now. The team goes on this incredible run and the fielding becomes immense. The bowling becomes with new ball and old. I mean, mate, Josh Hazelwood got it reversing from one end in this game. Like... We've got a reverse swing, Bardo. Like, what What? What are we talking about? Talk about peaking at the right time. Like, I think a lot of credit has to go to the coaching and backroom staff for mm. turning this around. Like, and to Cummins as well, who's, you know, copped a lot of stick in the media. And, and it has to be said, made some colossal calls that all turned out to be on the money. Like, this is one of the great all-time... ODI victories, and I would say one of the great all-time victories full stop, Bardo. It's a hell of a thing. Mate, 100%. I think just got a lot right, uh, you know, right down to this, you know, the selection in the final game. You know, the, the call is, do you bring, bring Stoinis back in for, for Labashane? Didn't muck with the winning formula. Looked brilliant. You know, worked, worked out really, really, really well. You know, and I think just the character of the team as well. You know, we talked about you know, getting a bit shaky when we lost the toss, getting a bit shaky when um, uh, old mate uh, Sharma was on 47 off 31 and uh, Coley's looking pretty settled. Look, I thought we were we were in a spot of bother, bother at uh, two, for, uh, 2 for 41 and then I thought we were in a bigger spot of bother at 3 for 47. <laughs> Yeah, I thought we were in big trouble. Because we were, Bardo. Steve Smith wasn't even out. It hit him outside the line and we didn't even review. I was like, here didn't we go. Oh, this boy. is it, circling the drain stuff. We're out of here. And he must have felt so unwell when he went back to the dugout. Oh, mate, can you imagine? Can Especially you imagine? given, like, the amount of times that Steve Smith has carried Australia <sighs> over the past, you know, five, six, seven years. Got to have um, spine fractures, Bardo. Got to have know, big fractures there. Uh, you know, he if anyone deserved to be carried in this game, it's, it's, that, it's that man. But, uh, look, I, just in every game since those first two games, somebody has stood up. You know, and mm. one of the things we talked about was, you know, it, it, we're going to find out about one-day cricket at the end of this uh, World Cup. Yes, Chris. Yes. Yes. And i got to say, there is so many different ways that the game has been played over the course of this World Cup where we've had... High scoring, you know, 450, nearly knocked off um, on flat decks at the start of the tournament. We've <laughs> had teams beat teams that shouldn't, you know, traditionally be beating teams. Yep, Afghanistan, had, the Netherlands, pulling best games of the tournament at points. You know, we had um, the you know, the English under the boot, which everybody loved. Oh, we, so good, Bardo, so good. 
Mm. We had Sri Lanka losing their bloody ICC license in the middle of a tournament. <laughs> we had Angelo Matthews getting timed out. We yeah. had Glenn Maxwell hitting the fastest ODI 100 of all time. We had him hitting 200 off no legs. Um, <laughs> going full salmon. Yeah. Going full incredible. salmon. You know, I, I mean, I just think from an Australian perspective, utterly spectacular you know then the emergence of some nations being competitive that we didn't think would be uh you know the netherlands were very watchable um you know usually afghanistan were hugely competitive um you know and it would be interesting to to play them in a test match you know politically i don't know if that happens but um you know i think that there's now sufficient um you know talent to kind of justify their standing in in world cricket, at least from a cricketing perspective. Um, so I think the case was made for 50-over cricket on the back of this tournament. You know, I really like the 10-team format. I agree, Chris. And can I give you a pitch? I was going to say this to the end of the episode, but I have a pitch, Barno, for how to save one-day cricket. And and talk about narrative arc here from your old mate PC. If you are listening to this in, in sequential order and you somehow found yourself here, I mean, hello, great to have you. But here's... I, at the top of this tournament, was like, why are we playing one-day cricket? What's it here for? What's the point of it? And the thing that I think happens with it, Bardo, is the bilateral, meaningless bilateral series that occur every now and then that don't do anything. And we had the same problem in test cricket. So what I propose to you, Chris, is that we think of one-day cricket like we think about football, Mm. right? So we have a league table, a worldwide league table similar to the World Test Championship, mm-hmm. which runs in conjunction with the World Cup. So the World Cup works just like the World Cup in football works, mm-hmm. um, happens every four years and, and goes off that. But every, what, like 18-month or two-year cycle or what, what have you, there is a winner crowned for ODI champion um, sure. of, the, of the year, of the world, of the... I don't know, of the time period, like give give them another mace. Do you know what I mean? Like a point system that goes to a global tally that can make these series relevant to keep people's interest in it going and to keep the players' interest in it going, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, I think that's the thing that lacks. Like when we come around every four years, we suddenly go, oh, one day cricket. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is cool. Oh, yeah, sweet. Um, yeah. Relevancy but- is a big thing. Yeah, exactly. What do you Relevance reckon? Relevance is a big thing. Look, I, I think it's a good idea. I think there is already some sort of points table, league table situation, which is why the West Indies missed out on this World Cup because they sure. they got diddled by someone. But um, oh, I forget. But I do agree. You know, if you were to follow the football example all the way, you'd have a World Cup every four years, and then you'd have a in the in the um, sort of alternating two years either side you'd have a regional championship. Euros, Asian Cup. Euros, Asian Cup, mm. uh, you know, Oceania, sort of sort of tri-nations-y sort of thing. You know, that could kind of work. That could mm. kind of work. Um, I think you'd have to think about how you kind of, how you do it because you wouldn't want Australia not playing India on a regular basis. You know, you wouldn't want yeah. Australia not playing England on a regular basis. So... Certainly, I think that works. I, you know, definitely like the idea of, of making the qualification route to the World Cup far more transparent, um, you know, upping the ante a little bit, mm. as it were. 
and having a clearer structure. Um, because I do, I do agree. I think the the meaningless bilateral series are a problem. Also, non-competitive bilateral series yeah. uh, aren't, aren't the best. You know, as much as I'm happy to play, you know, the Zimbabwe's of the world and and, and those sorts of guys, because I think that is important. Um, I got to think. You got to think about how you do it and where you do it. You know, so, I mean, something we're going to talk about, you know, in, in, over the summer is the West Indies, and I'll be really honest. I'm not super excited. For the West Neither, Indies to come out and play, if, if the West Indies are coming out playing T Twenty, okay, because they're quite a strong team in in that field. But mm. um, to play Test cricket, we already did that, and it was brutal. Yeah, we rolled them, and it felt it felt like it happened like a year ago. Because it did. Um, Why are we playing them again? Yeah, I don't I mean, Where's Sri Lanka? You know what I mean? Like mm. bring Sri Lanka out. All oh, the South Africans. Like I would so much rather. I mean, I know we. Well, I guess we played them last year, didn't we? But I don't know, mate. Like. Pakistan will be pretty good, but the West Indies, like, it's just going to be such a foregone conclusion. I would much rather see Afghanistan. Honestly, I would rather see a test series between Australia and Afghanistan than I would Australia and West Indies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's and it's a tough one, right, because the um, Afghanistan's guy, uh, Australia's kind of withdrawn, withdrawn or drawn back from playing Afghanistan because of the situation with the Taliban, mm-hmm. um, which is just, you've got to feel for the cricketers, I think, in that scenario. And, of course, you know, the women cricketers as well who oh, absolutely. You know, are in, uh, I think, are kind of at the centre of it all. But, yeah, look. Plenty of other nations though, mate. New Zealand, Bangladesh, the list goes on. This goes who on. would Plenty. be a much better challenge for Australia in Australian yeah. conditions. And I think, yeah. again, yeah, you think about how, how you do it. You know, if we want to play some of the smaller nations, which we should because they're part of the competition, but maybe that's a great opportunity to take the game out to the regions. You know, like let's play a test match yeah. in. We played some ODIs in North Queensland. Let's play a test match in Townsville. You know, Alice Springs. A test match in Alice Springs would be phenomenal. I would love a test match in Alice Springs, Bardo. Get us a test match in the Alice. That's all I'm saying. Um, mate, we better get into some tapes because um, I've been meeting some friends at the pub tonight. So we, we better bloody get things moving here. Um, I'm just pulling back the curtain. I'm just being honest with the fans, you know. All the fans, they want to know, Pat, what's happening in your social life? And I'm telling you, um, going to the courthouse hotel this afternoon for a couple of beverage I'm going to knock the top off of George Frothington. Have a note for Um Chris, uh, where would you like to start? I, I kind of feel emotionally that we should start with a final and we should hear from either Jai or Spinksy. So um, oh, what do look, you think? Uh, we always start with a grieving party first, don't we, Pat? Let's uh, let's go with Jai. Let's go with Jai indeed. Here he is, folks, Jai seeing our Indian correspondent with his reflections on the final. As we went into the second innings of India's home World Cup, Everyone was on the edge of their seats wondering, could India chase the 275 they'd been set by Sri Lanka? Yeah, I'm doing 2011. <laughs> 2023 is just too depressing. No one will notice, right? They were both in India. Yeah, Kohli has a beard now, but come on, you know these Aussies. They can never tell two Asians apart. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll just throw in some obscure basketball analogy and that will keep Chris happy. Pats of Irish descent, so he's probably too drunk now to notice. To be fair, Jai, I literally am having a glass of wine as we speak. So he's, he's got me there, Bardo. Would one Yanis and the Kumpo reference, Bardo, uh, <laughs> see you through the rest of this time? Do you notice what's going on? Uh, yeah, Giannis and the Kumpo would certainly see me through the rest of this time. I don't know who, who, who you, you quite... Actually, you know who's like Giannis? Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli is the Giannis of cricket. Yep, there you go, folks. You heard it here first. Will this ploy work? Mm, probably not. Okay, let's scratch at the festering sores and get into it. 
India played amazingly well in this tournament, far better indeed than I had expected beforehand, but ultimately I wasn't entirely surprised when they came up short. Especially without Hardik Pandya, there was always the chance that India would completely fall over and end up in a ditch. When they went 10 matches without that happening, I started to believe, but I was always afraid of it happening in the 10th match. If they could only hold on for one more match, I was thinking in the lead up to the final. But then they ran up against Australia. Australia just bowled really well. They were so disciplined, giving nothing away, but in an aggressive way. Cricket Info said earlier in the tournament that Boomerah takes wickets because he bowls defensively. He doesn't go for magic balls, but he bowls the balls the batsman doesn't want to face, and they either defend or they perish. That's what Australia's bowlers do all the time, and it was on full show in this final. And then they batted sensibly with just the right mix of aggression. They probably weren't anyone's pick for this tournament, but if they get to a final, you've got to play bloody well to beat them, because they know how to win. They don't get overawed, they rise to the occasion. They've now burgled the 2021, T20 and 2023 ODI World Cups. Whoa, 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 Jai Bardo, did we burgle those? How do we feel about the highway robbery of that? Oh, well, guilty as charged, Your Honour. <laughs> Australian cricket, are we just the highwaymen of world cricket, Bardo? Yeah. Are we just out there with our bandana pulled up over our nose and six shooters in hand? Is that yeah, but we're not like here? a band burglar. We're like a lovable, you know, a lovable like, rogue. Bardo. We're like an Ocean's rogue. Eleven. Oh, wow. Yeah, sure. It works. That that analogy works. There's 11 players on Danny Ocean's team of crooks, and there's 11 players on the Australian Greek team, and we... Pat Cummins is very handsome. George Clooney, very handsome. Very handsome. Very Very handsome. Very handsome. You know, and there was um, an old guy in there, and we had an old guy in Warner. True. You know, I'll, I'll look... Hey, we'll Think keep working it. on that. Let's keep workshopping it. Yeah. Um, Jai, maybe you're more right than I'd like to admit. They didn't dominate like they used to, but if they make the final, they should now always be considered the favourites regardless of their form leading up to it. They're a champion team because they have champion temperament. Mm. So Australia won this final, but India partly lost it as well by showing no ability to adapt against disciplined bowling. Australia were brilliant on the day, but India really should have found a way to counter that given their credentials. South Africa made their semi a much more competitive match because they were still scoring even during their recovery, and then bowled with great discipline. This was something India should have taken heart from. Unfortunately, they ran into their kryptonite. A disciplined and confident Australian team who might not, in Joe Root's words, have been better than their opponent man for man, but all knew their roles and played them perfectly. Australia's was a team effort, and India was left, as so often in the past, relying on the hope of something special from a couple of individuals. Rohit Sharma threatened it, but the storm passed. By the time Virat Kohli and Kairaho had bedded in and averted the collapse, too much momentum had been lost. Kohli scored at nearly a runner ball while being defensive, but he was the only one who could do that. The only chance then was if it was a minefield, but it turned out India had made the conditions look worse than they actually were, and Australia also knew what they had to achieve. I'm going to hold you there, Jai. I- I'm not sure about that either, Bardo. And-, and all I'll say is that the the BCCI had a big hand in this pitch, in making yeah. this pitch the way that it was. And 
Um, our mate Rohit Sharma said that if he won the toss, he would have batted. And I think what it comes down to is Cummins, um, Andrew McDonald, Ronnie, the coach, and whoever else the backroom staff was involved in the decision, they came to the ground, Butto, the night before, 10, I think 9 or 10 p.m., and they didn't make the call on the team until they um, were at the ground the night before to get an idea of the amount of dew that was on the pitch. So it was a researched, thought-out decision that was backed by establishing conditions at the ground. Um, so uh, that's that's just something to keep in mind here, that India actually uh, backed themselves into a corner by getting a pitch made to be low and slow, thinking that it would do the Aussies. And the Aussies outfoxed them by doing their bloody research and hanging around at the ground after dark um, to see what conditions would be like to play in. And, and that's just some real, I mean, frankly, Bardo, it's Ocean's Eleven stuff, but it's Ocean's Eleven. Well, Pat, all I'm going to say is if you're going to doctor the pitch to try and get yourself a victory, you might want to get Dr. Gregory House and not Dr. Zoidberg. If he doesn't have a cane, shut him down, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, he's, if he's not brilliant and insightful. Um, Is know. Hugh Laurie there? If he's not there... If he's not there. Game know. over. Forget it. They were under no pressure. There was a very brief moment when Boomer and Shami threatened. But other than that, it was just a long victory lap for Australia. I read an article earlier in the tournament saying, in a soccer context, would India be the Brazil of 1970 or the Brazil of 1982? The ultimate winning machine or the fan favourites who didn't reach the mm. finishing line? Unfortunately, it turned out to be 1982. And so we rest for another four years. When the next World Cup rolls around in 2027, we'll be older. We'll have some more grey hairs. We'll probably have screaming children all over the place. Will ODIs still be a thing? I hope so because I want my children to enjoy the World Cup, the ultimate spectacle of cricket, the way I did. Thank you, Jai. Fantastic, mate. And, and Bardo, did you get to have a little bit of that with your young fella, mate, where you were able to sit down and bloody watch a few overs with him, indoctrinate him into, into some cricket early in the piece? Uh, look, a little bit, a little bit. It's uh, his bedtime was is six pm, so um, the time zones didn't work out too well. But what we did do is uh, when I was putting him to bed, I would put the uh, ABC Listen app on, and oh, yeah. uh, we listened to a little, a little bit of the grandstand coverage. Perfect. Um, that's so the stuff. That's the subliminal stuff. That part just of. gets it in there. You know, it's, that gets it in there. It's an assault on all the senses. The visual. <laughs> he's had the visual. He's had the. Audio. The other thing I do is because we're trying to, you know, be res- responsible. And uh, look, no judgment on screen time. It's bloody hard. But because um, I want to watch the footy or I want to watch cricket sometimes. So sometimes I'll get him to face me and I'll describe what's happening on the screen. <laughs> That's actually genius, Chris. And you love commentary. I love famously. commentary. Not very good at it, but, you know, there's lots of words that I'm, that I'm hearing So and he's hearing, so it all works. Mate, I think that's sensational. I love that from you, Chris. Um, my friend, should we just go straight to Spinksy? Let's do should it. Just deal with this um, final from both perspectives, Look, and then we can kind of hear from a couple of the other guys. There's no need for a dead period in the middle, Pat. All right, we don't need ten overs of work in singles. This is not a fifty-over game. Not you and me, Bardo. Not today. Um, let's fire him up, folks. Here is Alex Spinks. 
if Australia pulls this off, mm. here's what it's going to require. But you ready? This is the Pat Cullen list of things it's going to require. Number one, we're going to need to catch like our hands are made of Velcro. Yes. It's going to need to be absolute poop on Velcro catching. Number one. A miss out. Finally a miss out. Could this be a moment? Could it? One of the great catches under pressure you will ever see. My goodness gracious me. Travis Head and Rohit Sharma. That was a tremendous catch under pressure. Which continues to be good for batting. Number dos. We're going to need to bat like we are people possessed. And I'd go as far as to say, as has been our want since game three, a piece of individual brilliance from one person in the top six. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to need to bat out of their bloody skin. Calls through for a single, needs to hurry! A hundred for Travis Head on the biggest of stages! Thing number three, Bardo. Something needs to go horribly wrong for India. And India will finish with 240. Bang! He'll come back for two. And Australia win the World Cup for the sixth time. And in front of 120,000 people, they've upstaged the home team in magnificent fashion. Well, well, well. Would you listen to that? This must be why I only occasionally sit in the host's chair, because the big man himself engaged in a little prophecy last week. Patrick John Wardell Cullen with some scarily accurate predictions there. Well, I say that. The boss man's ways for Australia to win essentially boiled down to Australia will have to field well, at least one person should bat well, and India has to play not as well. Okay, well, I'm going to hold you there, Spinks, because I, I wanted to let all of that go because I was feeling really good about myself until just that beat there. Chris, um, are you often taken aback? Are you often shocked, Chris, at my sheer cricketing brilliance, my ability to see into the future like I'm some kind of gypsy with a crystal ball staring into how the game might pan out? Does that often shock you? No, no. Um... <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah. No, no, no. Um, look, if we're going to make a... Who's the bloke that was married to a doctor? Guy Ritchie. If we're going to make a Guy, Guy Ritchie, Ritchie film, I'm not going to get yeah. you to play the gypsy. All right? Okay. Well, yeah. it's fair. But I can't bear this box. It's either. more uh, a bro broken clock is right twice a day type thing. I mean, I did listen back to that episode after the... Um, game and think to myself how on the money that I was. I did get three out of three there. So pretty pleased with that for a start. But um, Spinksy did also just come in and just shut me down pretty proficiently. And I'm sure he's going to continue to do so. So um, without further ado, let's go back to the man. An absolute recipe for success there. Yes, to the cheers of Australian and Pakistani fans everywhere, Australia have climbed the Everest of white ball cricket once more and taken down the perceived juggernaut of India in the home conditions, and this time seemingly with an avalanche of disadvantages being pelted their way. Two early losses against the tournament's eventual second and third place teams, and some matches won by margins as thin as the final threads keeping Glenn Maxwell's hamstrings connected, the Australian men's team have won their sixth out of 13 possible ODI World Cups, having not been unsuccessful at lifting the trophy for two tournaments in a row since 1999. This impressive feat is only bettered by the Australian women's ODI team, who haven't been unsuccessful at winning the trophy for two tournaments in a row since the World Cup's inception in 1973, wow. and they've won seven out of 12 possible cups. Wow. And they had the first hat trick of World Cup wins across the 70s and 80s. But I digress. 
Australia's journey to victory had a very strange feeling about it this tournament. For Australians, at least. I'm sure every other cricket nation couldn't care less about our struggles. <laughs> Unlike the dominant wins in 2015 in home conditions and the 2003-2007 victories by the greatest cricketing team led by Ricky Ponting, this tournament started with no one giving Australia a chance. Us here at Two For None included. As the wins started to roll in, one by one, for us it had the feel of a kid's sport movie from the 90s. Mm. We were the plucky bunch of misfits playing against the Ivy League school champions. All of their resources, crowd support, and pitch doctoring skills against our bravery, our courage, our never-say-die attitude. We were one freak golf cart injury, case of vertigo, or broken hand away from putting a kookaburra bat in a kangaroo's hands and letting them open the batting. <laughs> Either that, or just parachuting in the Terminator Beth Mooney and letting her show Mohammed Shami that he only got 24 World Cup wickets this tournament because he hadn't bowled to her yet. Bardo, um, do you feel that's pretty right? Did you feel like we were watching a 90s sporting film? Is that the sort of vibe that you thought we were living in? Yeah, look, certainly. Um, yeah, I could, I, could, I could see it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Ragtag bunch of maligned misfits. Um, sort of almost like a bad news bears type situation. Mm. Did they lose it? I don't know if they won it. I actually can't remember that movie. Really, but I can't remember. But you know what I mean. Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks situation. Mighty Ducks. There you go. Big Mighty Ducks energy. Big Mighty yeah. Ducks energy. Yeah. Yeah. That feels right to me. India's relentless procession to the final had the air of inevitability to it. Virat Kohli surpassed the little master Sachin Tendulkar and scored his 50th ODI century in the semi-final against New Zealand and continued to pour concrete on his already cemented legacy as the first great and true all-format master of the game. But obviously mm. he only scored that century because New Zealand was just so dang nice and helped him with his cramps. For God's <laughs> sake, take the game seriously. Kohli scored the most runs this tournament, averaging 92.50 in the end and sits wow. second on the all-time runs list in World Cups. Wow. Robert Sharma scored the second most runs this tournament and sits fourth all time. Mohamed Shami topped the wicket takers list with 24, although not the record for a tournament. That belongs to Mitchell Stark and Glenn McGrath is in second. You've got to say, Bardo, that if um, second inning Shami was in from the start of the tournament, he would have cracked 30, 35 wickets. Like the fact that that guy came in halfway through and took that many wickets is absolutely mental. It is it's mental that Travis Head started the tournament sitting on his couch in Adelaide, butter with a broken hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely insane. But courageous job from the selectors to, to back him all the way in because you could have easily gone, mm, how do we carry a guy? You know, he's not going to be available until midway through. Is he going to be cherry ripe by the time he's actually fit? A big gamble. Big gamble payoff. Huge gamble, mate. Which brought Shami into fifth place all-time total wicket-takers in World Cup tournaments, behind Glenn McGrath and Mitchell Stark in first and third, respectively. However, those plucky upstarts from the nation next to the small island nation of New Zealand showed that it doesn't matter if you're the better team on paper. It doesn't matter if Joe Root would take every single one of his countrymen over yours because he likes going home early from tournaments. It doesn't matter that a tournament meant to be organised and overseen by the so-called impartial international governing body is actually letting the BCCI control all pitch curation and playing choices. It doesn't matter that the whole crowd at Narendra Modi Stadium thought that the umpires had been paid off so when they lost, the crowd got absolutely stuck into Richards, Illingworth and Kettleborough at the presentation. It doesn't matter if you definitely saw Rahul Dravid tinkering with Glenn Maxwell's golf cart just a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter that I'm almost certain the witch who cast a spell on Steve Smith to give him vertigo shared a passing resemblance to VVS Laxman. It doesn't matter if... I don't know where I was going with that. This tinfoil hat is scratching my ears. 
<laughs> anyway, we won. Yay! And the players who were able to return from the World Cup and didn't have to stay and play five T20 matches against India just three days after the Cup finished were greeted by the Australian version of a hero's welcome at their various home state airports. Four reporters with cameras, a passing interest from a customs officer, and the peace and quiet of enduring respect for their personal space. And thus, we roll merrily along. That's it for me. My little tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. I'm sure we'll be back once the test series against Pakistan kicks off mid-December, but until then, I haven't figured out how to say this convincingly in the past tense, so go those Aussies! They definitely went! Yes. Yes. Mm. Wow. Ah, that's great stuff. What a banger, too. Tina Turner doesn't get talked about often enough, Chris, how much of that song actually genuinely slaps. I'm going to put it on the wedding playlist. Yeah, you got it, man. Rest in peace, the Queen. Um, it's also a banging, uh, well, I mean, banging, but it's very nice cover version of Simply the Best that was uh, featured in Shit's Creek. Oh, great show, Chris. What a show. What a show. Uh, so we're, we're worth checking out, mate. Uh, I will. No one will do that. Simply the Best. Tell me you know Pal, um, thoughts on Spinksy's little recap there? Uh, anything else you wanted to add in, throw into that? No, look, I think a very astute, very accurate, um, amazing that he's kept receipts. Again, I am just uh, <laughs> one thing that's actually really impressed me, really impressed me this World Cup from our correspondents, Pat, is their ability <laughs> to listen to the podcast, pick out moments, and then play it back. It's Chris, the way you talk about this podcast, it sounds completely unlistenable. <laughs> <laughs> Unlistenable. <laughs> Unlistenable. There's no way anybody could possibly listen to this anywhere in the world. I can't believe people sit down to listen to this podcast. But I hate to tell you, we're up to 18,000 downloads, mate. I don't know what to do. And look, every single one of them should get a commemorative pin. They won't. <laughs> they won't. Simply because I don't definitely know how to manufacture 18,000 pins. We definitely don't have the budget. I don't have the capital for that. We are in the red. We are a long way from the black. (laughs) This is a red ball budget, Pat. Um, It's a definite red ball budget. But they should get a commemorative pin. Oh, yeah. Simply because, you know, they have to listen to me. That's pin worthy. Chris, there's people would uh, like to do that a lot more than you think. Oh, that's fine. That, it, it's pinworthy stuff, though. I agree, um, pal. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with Spinks more. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. I can't believe we're here. I'm still in shock about it. Um, and mate, we we have two little tapes left. We'd like to hear from them. We have one from Chris Goodrick with a little South African rap. We also have a rap from Tom Hawkey that he sent last week. I see. Um, which we might save for the end. So we could just spend the end of this podcast laughing at England. Um, might bring us some joy. But uh, what do you think? I think Look that sounds Goodrick. like a fine, fine plan. Fine plan indeed. Now, Goodrick tells me that this one's a bit rough and ready by his standards. Um, I think he's recorded this in his car um, in the great tradition of being in the car and recording yourself uh, a pod. Sure, Rada, you sure. and I have both been there. Uh, also, amongst the great tooth and nun traditions of potentially this will be me, Bardo, next year being on honeymoon and recording a tape for the pod. Oh yeah, um, you know, lots of lots of random little tooth and nun traditions. Tooth- this is what people come back. <laughs> tooth and nun in the boudoir. <laughs> tooth and nun in the boudoir. Absolutely, <laughs> nobody wants that. Let me tell you. Um, this is our South African. This is our South African correspondent, Chris the Good Man Goodrick. 
a jolly swagman campfire along <laughs> under Slim. the shade of a coolabar tree. He sang as he watched and waited till his billy boiled. Come a waltzing Matilda with me. Bloody hell, Australia, would you stop winning so many World Cups? No. Number six, jeez. No, There's one thing Australia knows, it's how to win Cricket World Cups and uh, how to scale cans of VB and 4X. <laughs> so guys, I'm parked up here. Um, this is as professional as it gets, thanks uh, to the side of the road, uh, doing this recording. A uh, bit of a mad week. Um, <clears throat> to wrap things up for the mighty Proteas who had such a, a wonderful tournament, uh, yes, fifth time in uh, getting to the uh, semi-finals and not being able to get over that uh, that marker. Um, so some humble par there, and uh, I wouldn't say we choked in this one. Um, we definitely uh, didn't deliver at the top end of the the stage. But uh, if any team choked, it was probably India. Uh, mm, it looks like the equation might have got to them in that final. Butto, what a read! Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good read. I have to say, you're on the money there, pal. I think they choked. I think they choked up a storm, Butto. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. I'm gonna check my choker meter. Yep, it's choked. Let's just have a quick look at the choker meter. Yeah, feels like a choke, Butto. <laughs> <laughs> no, who was the guy that dropped the ball? Herschel Gibbs. Ah, Herschel Gibbs. Yeah, Butto. The um. The choker meter is just Herschel Gibbs' face, and it just fills up from the bottom to the top. And at the moment, we're right into the Proteus cap. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Well, you're not wrong. Um, it's a strong visual. Um, I wonder. <laughs> I, I wonder. How does he get off that? They have to win one, right? They got to win one. They yeah. got to win one. Yeah, they got to win one. They got to crack one out. And honestly, four years from now, I'm I I'll put him into the uh, into the very likely Commonwealth butter. Yeah. Yeah. Surely. Anyway, sorry, back to Goodrich. Um, next World Cup, guys, is in the Republic of South Africa, Namibia and go. Zimbabwe. Uh, that's the plan. So uh, we'll be hosting it next uh, in 2027, which is incredibly exciting. Um, and there's a lot of uh, young uh, cricket players coming through. Um, remember the name Dielvolt Brevis. He is being tainted as the next A.B. de Villiers. He's an awesome talent, um, and um, I expect him to be in that next World Cup. And um, yeah, lots of uh, uh, young players, even um, Kutsia, um, that's how you pronounce mm. it, uh, Sphinxy. He had a great <laughs> World Cup, and um, a lot of our players are aging, um, especially a lot of the batsmen that performed, uh, Klaassen, uh, Markram, Funderdis, um, and they're all in their mid, hitting, starting to hit their mid 30s. So, it's uh, debatable whether these guys will make the next World Cup. Uh, strangely enough, the Proteas um, lost two games in their 10 allotted games, which, um, and those two teams were the Netherlands and India. So we lost to the team that finished top of the log and we lost to the team that finished bottom of the log. So uh, it's a crazy, crazy stat. But um, we did so well to um, get past big teams like uh, New Zealand, England, and even Australia um, in the group stages. So guys, um, it's it's been great. I think the, the pro tiers have definitely exceeded expectation um, in getting to that, uh, that, that semi-final. But again, it was disappointing to see us not get over the finishing line. Um, how good would it have been if we had made our first World Cup final and uh, just shows you with Australia if you can get into uh, the mix there's every chance you've got to win a World Cup
Mm. Um, I'm going to finish up by um, doing a bit of a birthday shout out. But it's not, this person's birthday is not today. It's not even this month. I mean, we're not doing, we're not having Chris's segment spread throughout the other correspondents. Other correspondents, this is a note from me, your executive producer, Package Cullen. We're not having Bardo's on this day segment spread like wildfire, but I'm not having it. Um, too bad. <laughs> How dare you? But it is the very own Slim Dusty who sings A Pub With No Beer and good old Waltzing Matilda. Thanks, boys. We'll see you later. Thank you, Mr. Goodrich. Uh, nothing worse than a pub with no beer. Um, Bardo, my friend, uh, thoughts on the South Africans, pal? I think they, they surprised us a bit this week. Look, I think good tournament on the whole. Just, uh, you know, you got to win a, you got to win the knockout games. That's the next step. The next step. I mean, I think... If they can actually get past that, it is a, a great there, uh, a great point from Goodricks that the Aussies are just so good when it gets to knockout competitions. Like we just do cream it. My friend, one last little tape to hear from here. One last person that we haven't heard from. Um, let's just jump straight to him. It's the the main man, our favourite Englishman in the entire world, Tom K. Hawkey. Uh, to wrap up, what was the worst ever campaign for the Poms at a World Cup? You've got to say, God, they were bad, Bardo. Um, here was us saying they were going to be favourites. They were in our top fours. They were in everybody's top fours. And um, they were absolute crap, Bardo. So, uh that, I mean, I don't know if you have any, uh, you want to put any breaks on that statement or do you feel that that's pretty okay before we throw it to Tom? No, look, I think that's absolutely fine, Pat. And, um, you know, what better day to celebrate English underperformance than on today, the 24th of November, Ian Botham's birthday. Oh! That's hey, a good one, isn't it? That's the first time we've had a cricketer we recognise on this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd give you a little treat. You know, I've such a good boy. Um... Other birthdays I could have mentioned from England were the Herbert Sutcliffe, um, Ken Barrington, and Fred Titmus. Wow, Chris. Wow. Wow. It's a very Getting big it. day for English birthdays. So let's big open day. up this gift for them. It was in the year 2023, the Cricket World Cup from the ICC. England were the reigning champs, but soon our hopes were soggy and damp. The Kiwis came in the very first game. We won the cup when our scores were the same. This time around, no boundary counts. They kicked our asses without a doubt. Hey ho, the terrible toll of an England team who couldn't bat or bowl. They once ruled the world and then they lost it all. In game two came Bangladesh, a surefire win with our bowlers refreshed. We batted our way to 364, they barely made even half our score. We now felt good like we had a chance, then Afghanistan pulled down our pants. A mighty team fell from grace, we gogabaz balled all over the place. Hey ho, the terrible toll of an England team that couldn't bat or bowl. If you want to know how just not good, the fourth highest average was Mark Wood. <laughs> <laughs> ben Stokes returned to bat once more, but he couldn't hit a bloody barn door. Caught and bowled for just five runs as South Africa toasted our buns. From that point on, we had to win them all. First came Sri Lanka having a bowl. They tore through us for a lowly score. They chalked them off and we lost once more. Hey ho, the terrible toll of an England team that couldn't bat or bowl. I once loved the team with all my soul, but the terrible bastards ruined it all.
Inja found our bowling tough. We fielded well at last good enough, but our batters still had terrible doubts. 129 and they all were out. Next up came the oldest foe. Australia dealt the final blow. A closer loss, just 33 runs, but mathematically our cup was done. Hey ho, the terrible toll of an England team that couldn't bat or bomb. These blokes couldn't even play, it seemed, for the Summerhill 8th grade gold team. Hey! A routine win against the Dutch. you think I'd be happy, but not so much. Some of our boys still batted like dregs. Joe Root was bowled between his legs. The final match saw Pakistan crumble before our mighty clan. Why were they not a little more smart and play like this from the bloody start? Hey ho, the terrible toll of an England team that couldn't bat or bowl. I hope the wounds heal soon, cause we'll do this all again next June. I mean, Tom Hawkey, folks. Tom Hawkey, that is great stuff, butter. Just when we think he can't top himself, Tom, somehow he finds a way to do it. Um, what a legend. What a song. What a rhyme scheme, butter. What a rhyme scheme. I just, wow. It's been a hell of a tournament for Tom. You may remember that he actually went to Kabul this tournament, but he, did. And he came to Afghanistan citizen for a while. Afghanistan's own Tom Hawkey. Afghanistan's own Tom Hawkey coming at you live with sea shanties. And he even managed to fit the mighty Summerhill eighth grade gold side in there, Bardo, which is a great piece of work. We had my middle names come out in this episode. We got the full name of my cricket side. It's all happening. Huge bait is huge. What a fitting way to end a World Cup. As I said, one of the highlights was the England team being under the boot and Mm. you know what a way to finish off our world cup celebration mate and and i hope bardo that we won't do an exact replication of it but i hope chris that in our hearts we celebrate as hard as travis head has for the last five days and all of the images coming out of india have of travis head in speed dealers absolutely hammered with his gold medal in his mouth has brought me a lot of joy and it's going to bring me a lot of joy for a long time absolutely years it's really funny i was reflecting this week that uh you might remember about 2005 andrew simon the late great andrew simon's got uh in spot of bother for turning up drunk to a uh, a game against bangladesh yes. uh, and the outcry that followed uh from the australian public but People are almost, we're almost willing Travis Head. I couldn't tell which Travis, like, are we willing him to turn up hungover to play for the lols? Or are we willing him to give it a miss? Um, and just what a difference uh, a World Cup victory makes. Yeah, it does make a huge difference, mate. And, like, all power to him, you know. Like, what a... He's being touted as a future Australian captain, Bardo, and I, I think if that's the case, he'll, the team will be in safe hands. Speaking of safe hands, my friend, I wanted to thank you, Chris Barty, for sticking with me and doing these this World Cup with me, mate. It's been great to have you on deck. I wanted to thank all of our correspondents, um, Spinksy, uh, Adam Hassan, uh, Tom Hawkey, Chris Goodrick, um, Michael Wood for dropping in, Jai Singh, Adam Hassan, if I didn't mention him, if I did mention him, he can come in twice. Um, the whole team's been uh, absolutely sensational and we really appreciate it. I also want to thank Spinks and Joe for covering that episode when Chris and I were both unavailable. Um, it was really, really great of them. And it, it's a really wonderful team we've assembled and I, I really appreciate all of them and all of their hard work. So big thanks to everyone for doing that, Bardo. We're going to be off the airwaves for a couple of weeks. Um, Spinks will be back, I think, to run the show for the Pakistan series. Bardo and I might appear sporadically through the summer. 
And um, yeah, mate, what a time. We just get to go back now, put our feet up, Chris, not put out any more podcasts for a little bit and um, maybe watch a little bit of cricket ourselves. What a treat, what a dream. What a treat, what a dream. And I'd like to thank Rolly Jenkins, who was born on this day. Oh, the love of God. <laughs> In 1918, uh, right hand back, uh, bold uh, leg spin for England and Worcestershire. Um, there's a big old obituary here, I'm not going to read it out. But uh, nine test matches, an average of 18 with the bat, and a respectable average of 34 with the ball. Thanks, Rolly. Good on you, mate. Way to close it out. Chris, thank you very much, my friend. Any final thoughts before we sign off? I mean, I can read the obituary if you want. No, for the love of Christ, there's not enough time. I've got to go to the pub. Big thanks to everybody. Love your work. Um, we will be back uh, very soon. And in one last thing to say, go those Aussies, you bloody world champions. You bloody world champions. We knew you could do it, fellas. We just didn't want to say it out loud. We knew it in our hearts. In our hearts. Two for None is created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Pat Cullen and Chris Barty featuring Alex Spinks, Jai Singh, Tom K. Hawkey and Chris Goodrick. This episode was produced by me, Patrick Cullen at Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox at Midnight Publishing. Featured clips and music this episode included We Are The Champions by Queen, 1977 UMI, Gala Performance by Laurie Johnson, 1969 KPM Music, Pub With The No Beer and Waltzing Matilda by Slim Dusty, 1957, Tina Turner, Simply the Best, 1989, Capitol Records, and the X-Files theme, Mark Snow, 1996, Warner Brothers Music. All music and clips used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Contact apra.com.au for details. You can check us out at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend. Share it on socials. Get the word out that Two for Nuns are a bloody great podcast. We swear. It's not just our mums that think so. We'll be back in some form to cover all of the action from the Aussie Test Summer. And thanks so much to all of you for listening and following through a massive winter season of cricket. One last thing, folks, and that is, as always, go those Aussies. Go those Aussies. Go those Aussies.